Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Well, I'll openly admit to you that this is a weird story. Welcome back to Wiggins America, by the way. Thank you for tuning in to the second hour, which is just like the first hour. Yep, we're just going to... No, well, we are going to re- actually replay some of the Trump speech, which we did in the first hour. So stick around for that. Trisha will be back. So in a lot of ways, it kind of is the same as the first hour. Sorry about that. This story isn't, though. About a week ago, almost exactly a week, Gallagher died. So you're familiar with Gallagher, right? The comedian, crazy hair, roller skates, looks like he's right out of 1980. So I remember him from my childhood. I think my parents were still cool. Sorry to my parents who were probably listening. Um, And they would watch a lot of stuff when I was a little kid into the mid 80s. And that's when Gallagher was popular. And what a weird comedian, you know. And all I remember is that he would smash watermelons. Of course, that's his thing. And when you're a kid, that's super cool. Actually, when you're an adult, that's super cool. So weird story. When I was just starting to date my wife, so I'm going to say this is about 2005, and we had dated previously, but this is when we were we were on again, off again, we we're on again, and now we're serious, okay? So 2005, I'm living in St. Louis, she's living in mid-Missouri, and it's about a two-hour drive, so I drive to see her pretty often, she'd drive to see me sometimes, and I enjoyed driving anyway, so I, I would make the trip probably more often than she would, and... We were starting to talk about, well, I don't know if we were talking about marriage yet at this point, but let's say 2005, 2006. Okay. So we're dating pretty seriously. I decide I'm going to really impress her and I'm going to do so in the cheapest way possible. <laughs> so I, I have a timeshare, at least my parents do. Hey, my parents, they're coming back into the story. I looped them back in. That's professional right there. They have a timeshare in Branson and I was like, oh, it's a really nice place, but they can only use it so often. Well, they had some time that was going to expire, so I decided, okay, I'm going to drive down there, and I'm going to let her into this place. Well, for whatever reason, we couldn't make our schedules work, but I still wanted to do something nice for her to impress her because I was courting her. So I drove down to Branson on my own, and I basically checked her in without her being there. I just said, look, I'm checking in for me and my girlfriend. And she wasn't there yet. So because our schedules couldn't, we we knew we weren't actually going to see each other on this trip, but I still did it anyway because I wanted to be nice. So I went and checked her into this nice condo down there. I think I set it up. You know, I put the the lighting right and I put uh, probably something like rose petals, something lame around, or maybe I was cooler than that. I don't remember. I bought a couple bottles of wine and stuck them in the refrigerator or maybe in a bucket, (laughs) you know, that kind of stuff. And um, I'm, I'm painting myself as a really cool guy here, I know. And I set the, the whole condo up to look cool and to be kind of romantic, even though I wasn't going to be there. 
And so I had this one night there that I was going to do this. Well, I get done and I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll go get some dinner and maybe I can see a show. Heck, it's Branson. Why not? So I, I start asking at the restaurant, what's in town right now? Should I see something that's here all the time? What's the best show? And she goes, the waitress, she goes, well, you know, you, know, you could go see this or that, but these are shows that are always here. But I heard that Gallagher was here tonight. And I'm like, Gallagher as in Smashing Watermelons Gallagher. She said, yeah, I heard that he's here just for tonight. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to look this up. And this is before smartphones. So I had to go find internet somewhere or find a, you know, a bulletin board that had shows listed on it. And I saw, okay, this, this might actually be happening tonight. So I drove to the theater before the show had started and asked, and they said, yeah, Gallagher is here just tonight. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. What a ridiculous thing I remember from my childhood. Roller skates and bell bottoms and smashing watermelons. I'm going to see Gallagher. And the tickets were way too expensive for me to see a comedian I didn't even care about. But I did it anyway just because it was so ridiculous. So they asked me when I walk in the door, and I walked in probably a little earlier than everybody else simply because I didn't have anything else to do, and I had this one night to burn there before she was going to get there the next night when I would have to be gone. So I'm like, well, I'm in here already. They said, well, you're, you're one of the first in here, which means you get priority seating if you want it. Do you want to be in the smash zone? <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, is that is that where you get hit with the watermelon stuff? They're like, yeah, we put some plastic over you, and you can lift it up. When he smashes something, you can put it down when he's not. I'm like, heck yeah, put me in the smash zone. So they sit me down right in the center, and Gallagher comes out. The 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 theater's not that big. I mean, those a lot of those Branson theaters, they'll be called like the Mega Mansion Journey Brothers Theater or whatever. And it'll be like 50 seats. And this was one of those. It wasn't big. And so I'm sitting there, and the theater's maybe half full at best. So you're talking 30 people maybe in there to see this show and I, I mean heck if you're Gallagher it's 2005 you're way past when you were super popular if you're still entertaining good for you so he comes out he does probably an hour's worth of stand-up and I forgot that the guy even did stand-up comedy I thought he was just a guy who smashed fruit but he comes out and does a pretty good set I was I was impressed I'm like hey this guy's a pretty good stand-up comedian then he goes all right do you want me to do the whole, it slices, it dices, it's the Smash-O-Matic 5000, or do you just want me to smash stuff? I didn't even know that was a bit. I'm looking around. It doesn't look like anybody else even knows that that is his thing, but to him, he's like, that's my thing. All, all we know is you're going to smash things, and so everybody's like, smash stuff. So he goes, okay, play the music. <laughs> just starts playing music and just starts cremating anything he can find, the craziest stuff. I don't remember what it was, but it was very messy. So I get done with the show, and I think, that was actually a pretty good, crazy experience, cool, okay. I find out within a couple days, I don't know how I found this out, or maybe I was looking him up, that his brother had been impersonating him for years. Apparently, they looked identical. They weren't identical, but they looked identical. And they hated each other, rightfully so, because the brother, whose name was also Gallagher, so he could legally call himself Gallagher, was going around impersonating the real Gallagher and doing all of his material. 
So they, they got into, I think, maybe a legal battle, but it was dicey, <laughs> to use the word, because they were brothers. You know, he wasn't technically, other than maybe stealing the jokes, he really wasn't doing anything copyright infringement. And I don't even think that's illegal to do in a live show. Now, if you were to do it on a, in, a, uh, in a Netflix special or something, you can't steal somebody else's material and record it. But live... I think you can steal other people's jokes all you want. I don't think it matters. That's why you can play cover songs if you're seeing a live band, but you can't put those on the record without paying for it, right? So anyway, I start wondering, did I see the real Gallagher? And to this day, I have no idea whether I saw the brother, the fake Gallagher, or the real Gallagher. But the one thing I do know is that the real Gallagher just died a week ago. And then I, if I didn't see him that time or you didn't see him yet, you ain't going to. Maybe you can still see his brother, though. We'll be right back. We're going to play a little bit more of that Trump speech because I think it's important to hear what he has in mind from his own mouth. Media has been not showing much of this, and I think that's going to be the playbook is that they're going to talk a lot about Trump. They're not going to let tr- Trump talk much, though. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, this is Wiggins America. As I said before, we're going to give Donald Trump a platform here. I don't think that he, oddly, gets one enough. (laughs) People, Some people are going, what the heck are you talking about? He didn't get in a platform? No, he doesn't. He's been deplatformed, literally, from a bunch of different social media sites. Had to start his own. Made a bunch of money doing that. That's great. Uh, But his message is not getting out in the same way it was. News stations, pundits will talk about him like crazy. But they're not going to play much from him because, A, he's a messaging machine. He is so good at delivering messages and he knows what he's talking about. Here's the other thing. He's 100% right in what he's saying here, which we're going to play here in just a second. His tone is fantastic, but can he maintain it? You'll listen here. You know, you'll hear what I'm talking about. I think the answer is no. Based on what he said to, about Ron DeSantis, you know, popping off stuff that it doesn't make people this is your own side too it's not as if you're just drawing a line right down the middle and saying i'm going to have a republican turnout i don't even care about democrat turnout kind of the way you win some elections now it's certainly the way he has won an election but he's taking shots at his own side at this point at people who who other republicans like a lot so listen here to this tone and i think we can agree this is fantastic can he maintain it though America. That is wonderful news. I told them, I said, if you just keep a little bit lower standard, you're going to have a big victory. They said, let's win by 40 seats. Let's win by 50. I said, if you win by two seats, be happy. But she's on her way to another country right now. She's been fired. <laughs> but we always have known that this was not the end. It was only the beginning of our fight to rescue the American dream. And it's a word you don't use. Two words. I don't want to be Joe. It's two words. American dream. 
That was not good what he did. There are a lot of bad things like going to Idaho and saying, welcome to the state of Florida. I really love it. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. So many incredible friends and family here tonight. It's such a beautiful thing. It's, some people say, how do you speak before so many people all the time? If, when there's love in the room, it's really easy, if you want to know the truth. It really is. You ought to try it sometime. <laughs> Together, we will be taking on the most corrupt forces and entrenched interests imaginable. Our country is in a horrible state. We're in grave trouble. This is not a task for a politician or a conventional candidate. This is a task for a great movement that embodies the courage, confidence, and the spirit of the American people. This is a movement. This is not for any one individual. This is a job for tens of millions of proud people working together from all across the land and from all walks of life, young and old, black and white, Hispanic and Asian, many of whom we have brought together for the very, very first time. If you look at the numbers, if you look at what's happened with Hispanic, with African-American, with Asian, and just look at what's happening. This is a party that has become much bigger, much stronger, much more powerful, can do much more good for our country. This is a job for Grandmothers and construction workers, firefighters, builders, teachers, doctors, and farmers who cannot stay quiet any longer. You can't stay quiet any longer. You're angry about what's happening to our country. Our country is being destroyed before your very eyes. It's a job for every aspiring young person and every hardworking parent, for every entrepreneur and underappreciated police officer who is ready to shout for safety in America. The police are being treated so badly. These are great people. They can straighten out the crime. They're the ones that know how to do it. We have to give them back their respect and their dignity. This will not be my campaign. This will be our campaign altogether. Because the only force strong enough to defeat the massive corruption we are up against is you, the American people. That's true. The American people, the greatest people on earth. We love them all. And we love both sides. We're going to bring people together. We're going to unify people. And it was happening in the previous administration, previous to the previous. And uh, what was bringing them together was success. Prior to COVID coming in, the people were calling me, that were calling me. You wouldn't believe it. People that were so far left, I figured they'd never speak to me and I would never speak to them. But our success was so incredible, like never before. And then COVID started coming in from China. We call it the China virus. Some people call it other things, but it was devastating. And we built it back and did an incredible job. But 
When people say Republicans or Democrats or liberals or conservatives, I say we can all get together. And we were doing that. That was happening just prior because the success was greater than this country has ever had. We were leapfrogging China and leapfrogging everybody else, and everybody wanted a piece of it. If you just listened to the whole thing, or maybe you came in the middle, it's inspiring. He is an inspiring guy. He does make you believe what he's saying. And look, at this point, he has the track record. He's done it for four years. All the stuff he said he was going to do, he pretty much did it. There's very few things that he completely had to punt on. Some of them were simply because he couldn't get Congress to follow him, or you know he was making promises beyond the role of even a president being able to accomplish. But ultimately... My hope isn't in Donald Trump. Will God use him? Maybe. Maybe again. I think he has already. Will he use him again? What's he going to do for the next two years? I don't know. There's a lot at stake. There's a lot of factors still in this. People have been asking me and texting me, what do you think? The whole Ron DeSantis versus Trump things. It's a big conversation going on within us in the uh, conservative side of the aisle. And the answer is, I don't know. I've had even political consultants ask me, what do you think? As if my opinion matters that much, but I think it was just more less about radio and more just, I know this is what you do. What do you think? And I, I, the answer I I gave was I'm here for it. Cause I don't know if Ron DeSantis doesn't declare, then everybody's got to get over it. Trump's going to be the guy regardless. So get over it. If Ron DeSantis does declare, then we have to have that conversation. We will. And we are. Trisha's back, and she is here because we're going to dig into the news in a way that really nobody else does. You'd agree with that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're gonna, the best. We're going to uh, look at news that maybe not be covered. Maybe not be covered. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and aren't you folks lucky for listening? <laughs> we just, I just opened this by saying how great it was. It's so great. Uh, this is called Serious Questions. Serious Questions. These are stories that maybe you haven't heard, and we like to bring them up and then ask a very serious, thought-provoking question about these news stories. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I can go either way. I think you should go then. Okay. So, my first serious question story. Hmm, where do I want to start? All right, first black man to enroll at U.S. Naval Academy honored with monument in South Carolina. James Henry Conyers, sorry, sir, broke the color barrier when he became the first African-American to enroll at the U.S. Naval Academy in 1872. I don't think you need to apologize to him. I don't think he heard. (laughs) Sorry to sir's family. Over 150 years later, the long forgotten trailblazer has been honored with a monument in South Carolina. Awesome news. That's cool. Everybody's happy about that. My serious question, though. Serious question. Have we finally taken down all of the statues we don't like? No. Oh, no. They'll never stop with the statues. They have, though. It's been a while. Well, I think they got all of them. No, I don't think they did because they'll turn from whatever is their ire right now to find something else they don't like about somebody. Because if there's an Abraham Lincoln statue up somewhere, somebody's going to say, now that's the problem. Christopher Columbus is the problem. That's they- what I thought, and that's what it seemed. But we haven't taken down a statue in a while, so my theory is that we've gotten all the ones we don't like. No, I don't think so. I think now it just we're goes on in to waves. new ones. No, I think it just goes in waves. I think people get all up in arms. They want to protest, and they want to they yell and spray paint things for a while. 
And then they realize, like, the leadership that's kind of helping to maybe not promote it, but to allow it kind of will back off and go, you know what? That didn't really work out the way we want. So they they kind of covertly tamp it down. We call that hiding the knife in improv, where you heighten it, and then yeah. you hide the knife, and then you bring it back. Ah, so great. I guess watch out, James Henry Conyers mm-hmm. statue. They might be coming back. I don't back. think they're going to take that one down. <laughs> <laughs> here, how about this one? Okay, I'm just going to read the headline here. Eight billionth inhabitant of the planet, as in this one, born in the Dominican Republic. Wow. Serious Congratulations. question. Serious question. How do you count? There's no way you can count that, right? This headline is BS. Where'd you find it? It's got a picture of a baby. <laughs> I mean, they're saying this is, is the, the guy. Eight this is the eight billionth human on earth right now. There's no way that they know exactly how many people are on the earth. That's ridiculous. Right? I don't know. There's a headline and an art. Is it what's the article say? I chose to not open it so that we could discuss it. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Yeah. Uh, this, this is why you won't hear this anywhere else. Exactly. Yeah. You get people <laughs> who do the least amount of research possible uh, stepping into a segment saying they're experts. Yep. You are welcome. Oh, you know what? To my to my credit, a lot of this article is in Spanish. <laughs> couldn't have read it anyway. It's from El American, which I like, but they write in dual linguistics a lot. So I I could probably figure it out, but they, they say it's at some hospital in Even Santo Domingo. traced that baby's genealogy all the way back to the beginning of mankind, they still, it would be a lot to account for the other billions of people on the planet that no, no, were no. related to that baby. No, they're not saying that this is the eight billionth person ever to exist. Oh, what are they saying then? This is the eight billionth person on the planet right now. Oh. So the, the population has reached eight billion. Maybe. No, there's still no way. Maybe. I mean, what you're suggesting would be even harder. I know. It, basically impossible what I was suggesting. No, no, yes, no. You just do a little roll call. No way. Yeah. I mean, we don't even know where a plane landed in the Pacific. Like, we can't even find... You know what I mean? That plane that was just like the movie, the show Lost. Mm-hmm. They can't find the plane. Mm-hmm. Malaysia. So the we Malaysian think, airline. Yes. Yeah. So And we think, oh, well, we know exactly how many people are in Australia right now. There's no way. Compound that by 200-something countries. No possible way. Even with the best mm. census data. I think there might be. Well, good luck to this kid. Your turn. Oh, great. Okay, CNN reports, CNN reporters no longer allowed to get smashed on air at New Year's. (laughs) There are reports that CNN has issued a dictate to its reporters, ordering them not to drink during the news network's annual New Year's Eve coverage. This mandate was allegedly handed down during a network town hall meeting by CEO Chris Licht. They said... The said ruling apparently only applies to reporters, not hosts, which means Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper are still free to get hammered. Serious question. Is this disappointing news for everyone or just Don Lemon? All all of the changes that CNN is, is making right now are good, except this one. 
This is a terrible idea. This seems like a target this, on Don's back. Yes, if it they're going to let Anderson and Andy drink. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, because that Don one Lemon, little weird dance. He was really, other than, Andy Cohen just is an entertainer, and that's fine. But it was when Anderson Cooper and Don Lemon would get drunk, that was really the best part of the whole year for CNN. Mm-hmm. And they're removing that from us? Yep. I don't like it. I don't either. I don't like anything about okay, it. Okay, so disappointing for everyone. It is. In this room. That is, t- that is the Don answer. And Don Lemon out of this room. That's the answer to your serious question. Great. That was a terrible decision. Although I do like many of the other decisions. That, that does seem like actually, I mean, step away from a second. That is targeting Don Lemon. 100%. That is to tell him, sir, you cannot drink on New Year's anymore. Yep. You're going to cause problems. <laughs> well, they say, reporters can't yes. get smashed. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, my gosh. All right, last one. here. No, you have one more, don't you? This is my last one. Yes. Okay. From Yahoo News and Miami Herald, runner beats out hundreds in China Marathon and does it while chain-smoking cigarettes. Good for that guy. There's a picture I'm holding up. This dude is ripping some cigarettes the whole time. I love this guy. Doesn't stop. Mm, I would have partied with him 10 years ago. Banging him out the whole time he's running this marathon. And he beat <clears throat> he beat hundreds of people doing it. That's incredible. Maybe he's on to something. Yeah, serious question. I mean, this is, before I ask the serious question, this is the embodiment of an inappropriate joke, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's one where you can you look at it and you get the same feeling about it as when you hear an inappropriate joke that's funny. Where you see it and you go, "Ooh." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, but hey, that's cool. When you hear like a joke like that, you do the same thing. You go, "Ooh." Oh wait, it was funny. Serious question. I think this is retro. Yeah. So this is like your old baseball players chain smoking and eating cheeseburgers before they get up and run the bases. Great example. Great example. This I had a friend and was born in the wrong time. Who I had a friend who did this exact thing, not not with a marathon, but he would smoke. We would play pickup games of basketball and stuff, mm-hmm. and he would smoke cigarettes while playing basketball. Sure, it it looks like you your mind says that can't happen though because you're you're doing something highly athletic. While smoking. While doing something terrible for yourself. Which you're told. One thing's good for you, one thing's can't not. Can't coexist, you know? Yeah. Obviously they can, but... Yeah, life's the, not black and white. The messaging we're given as a society is 100% cigarettes are bad for you. Mm-hmm. I'm not really arguing with that message, but to see that happen and to see some dude just ripping them while he's running a marathon, it makes you kind of go, wait a minute, maybe... Maybe not everything about this is black and white, just like you're saying, that maybe there's a little bit of gray here. Not that this is good Are for him long-term. Are you encouraging people to start smoking? Yes. Is yeah. that your serious question? Because well, we did not get to that. Serious question. Serious question. Should I start smoking? Period. Question mark. Because <laughs> it's a question. Yes. Okay. Yeah, 100%. Okay. As a former smoker, it is great is it it is amazing that sounds it is great. one of the most amazing things in the world it's one thing that i miss because it sounds just socially within the office here mm-hmm. there are times i would love to step out with some co-workers yep you bond just sit there talking a little bit complaining a little bit make the best friends out there exactly and maybe i'll do it here's what i would like to do because i saw a couple of friends of mine do this 
they started smoking only cigars because they thought, well, it tastes better. It's more classy. Okay, neither of those things are true. But they, <laughs> but they, they really, they weren't just puffing them and tasting them. They were smoking them. Uh-huh. And, and now they're they just got addicted to cigars. So addicted because that there's no filter. It is pure nicotine. It's so crazy to me when people are addicted to cigars. I've got a yes. an elderly gentleman that lives in my neighborhood, and every morning you see him out smoking his cigar and he tosses the cigars out. Like they're cigarette buds. So these big, <laughs> fat, stogie buds all up and down the street. And I think, damn, this guy's uh-huh. in his 90s. And yeah, he's right. chain smoking these cigars. And it's impressive. The whole conversation about you always see people and, and you ask them when they're you turn 100 years old, well, what do you recommend? Well, I, I recommend eating more cholesterol. You know, Drinking like, wine every yeah, day. Yeah, whatever it is. It's never good advice. And it's funny. But they're it's legit because they're alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but- we always forget most people aren't. Yeah. You know, we don't get to ask that of the people who are dead. What do you suggest? Well, don't do what I did. <laughs> like, True. Most of it's all anecdotal mm-hmm. because we only have the people around who live that long. So you're saying I should, though, smoke c- cigars. <sighs> no, no, you shouldn't. Okay. No, it's bad for you. Thank you. But it is great. Well, I was going to say my friends who who started this in either late high school or early college, two of them kicked the habit pretty quick because they realized, oh, man, this is way worse than smoking cigarettes. Yeah. It is deeply addictive. But one of them could not stop and transitioned to cigarettes but still smokes to this day because he could not kick it. Mm-hmm. It's one of the hardest addictions to kick. Cigarettes or just nicotine in general? Nicotine in general. Yeah. And when you, you they went into the deep end. Mm-hmm. Because they thought, well, I don't want to smoke cigarettes because the messaging, like just we were back to uh-huh. before, the messaging is, oh, cigarettes are bad for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, if cigarettes are bad for me, then I'll just puff a cigar. Yeah, they swam out too far. <laughs> yes, they did. Get more at 971talk.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.